0: All right, welcome in. It's First to 10, the podcast. I'm Matt Hayes on the Saturday Down South Podcast Network. Coming at you every week with the best SEC talk. A lot going on today. We're going to get into, of course, the college football playoff. Four teams announced last weekend. We're going to check out where all the SEC teams are headed, including Alabama and Georgia, the first two teams from the same conference to be selected to the college football playoff we're going to get into a lot of coaching news got a very special guest the best the best information guy in all of college football Brett McMurphy joins us to talk about the hirings and the potential hirings and what in the world is going on in both the SEC and college football in general all right but before we go there we got some house cleaning to do I want to talk about our wonderful sponsor ticketcity.com the bowl games are approaching, everyone. You want to go see Georgia and Alabama, right? You want to go all the way out to Pasadena and go walk through that tunnel at the Rose Bowl and stare up at the San Gabriels and look down at that field that literally looks fake. It's so good. It's an absolute bucket list thing. And if you're going to do it and you're going to go all the way out to Pasadena, if you're a dog fan, you better go to TicketCity.com and get the best tickets you can get. Look, we've been working with Ticket City for... Years, they are the experts in college football. Having served over one and a half million customers, they've been the place to go, in fact, for SEC tickets for almost 30 years. Now they're offering $20 off to all Saturday Down South podcast listeners. All you need to do is go to TicketCity.com and enter the discount code SDS20. That's Sally Delta Sally 20. While well, checking out, and you'll save 20 bucks on your order. Not a bad deal, especially with such. An important game there out in Pasadena or one down in New Orleans. I know the SEC folks have been in New Orleans many times, but believe me, what's one more time in New Orleans, right? Why not? So go to TicketCity.com. That's T-I-C-K-E-T-C-I-T-Y.com. TicketCity.com. And get your SEC Dukets today, people, today. All right, now it's time to bring in my good pal, Brett McMurphy. There is no people no better insider in college football than Brett McMurphy. No one knows the coaches, the agents, the people that make the news in college football like Brett McMurphy. You can catch Brett on his Facebook page, the Brett McMurphy. Brett, it's fantastic. I'm glad to have you here. What a absolutely wild last two, three weeks it's been, huh?
1: Yeah, this has been crazy, Matt. I know you followed college football a long time like I have. I do not remember anything like these past few weeks. Uh, With what's going on at Tennessee and the resulting dominoes, Jimbo Fisher leaving before the season's over. Remember when it used to be rare for a coach to to leave before the season was over or get fired in season? And now it's almost uh, abnormal if they're not fired during the season. And (laughs) and, uh, it's been a weird, weird last couple weeks.
0: So here's how weird it is, Brett. The guy in the state of Florida with the most coaching tenure right now is Mark Rick. (laughs) <laughs> who just wrapped up his second year at Miami, which to me is just absolutely amazing. All right, so, so let's, let's start right now with some of the jobs that are open, and then we'll, we'll circle back on some of the jobs that are filled and, and kind of get the process of how you think it played out. First, what in the world is going on at Tennessee? And, and right now, are we really looking at Tennessee just going to try and hire an assistant coach from somewhere? Are they not at the point where they can go hire an established coach away from another program?
1: Well, Matt, I mean, you know, last week I reported that John Curry was prepared to offer or was going to hire Mike Leach to be the next coach at Tennessee. But because of the power struggle there, uh, Phil Fulmer um, had people working uh, on his behalf for him, with him, however you want to describe it, to basically sabotage the Tennessee coaching search so that he would become the full-time AD they would not allow Curry to hire Leach. They had Curry come back to Knoxville. They then fired Curry. They didn't want him to hire Leach one day and then fire Curry the next. And then Fulmer was named full-time AD about five or six hours later. After that happened or while that was going on, I was told that there were no p- current Power Five coaches, head coaches that would take that job because of what happened with Greg Shiano or what happened with John Curry and you're right. So here we are on Wednesday morning and uh, it looks like the, the leading candidates are all coordinators at Power Five schools. Possibly um you know, maybe you can get a a group of five head coach, but quite simply nobody that currently is employed as a head coach at a Power Five school wants to wants to get involved in this because it's 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 so toxic and if they react that way to Curry and Chiano, then what happens if you lose two or three games in a row? What, what is the fan base or the donors and boosters going to do then?
0: Why, why am I thinking now of the Prince of Tides movie, and Nick Nolte with his sarcastic, and <laughs> that's what I like about the South. So wait, let's, let's circle back <laughs> real quick on, on Tennessee because I think a lot of people don't understand this. When Philip Fulmer was fired nine years ago, he was technically fired by Curry. Now Hamilton was the AD then, but but it was Curry's job to do so, and the, the, the rumor around there is that you know Phillip's been holding about a nine year grudge about that. And guess what happened? Everything started the, the 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 you know the everything started to move in place, and all of a sudden Phillips in a position where he can once again regain power. And you truly believe that's what happened, right?
1: Absolutely, I, I have no doubt. I mean, I uh, you know I, I reported that on Twitter, and immediately afterwards and that was from um you know some very good sources that i you know obviously i don't i'm not going to put something out like that um just throw something against a wall you know i know how serious an allegation that is and immediately after i reported it i had three other sources immediately text me and call me and said oh did you know you're dead on and also by the way did you know about this i was told of three candidates that talked to Tennessee, that once their, once it got out publicly, that their name was linked to Tennessee, that people then swooped in behind after Tennessee officials talked to these these uh, coaches and basically said, hey, you don't want to go there. The place is toxic. Um, you know, the, the, the AAD is going to get fired. You don't want to go work there. And so that's why a lot of people cooled on that job. Now, a lot of, you know, there were some people that used – Interviews with Tennessee, obviously, to better their their situation at their current jobs, but there also were some coaches that wanted that would have accepted the job, except when they started hearing all this this you know backstabbing going on, um, you know, from from people that were supposedly supporters and uh, of the program. and It's just it was crazy. I mean, the, the the best quote I I got you know about the whole situation was. Somebody said, told me that uh, they knew what was going on. Said, you know, basically Tennessee shoots themselves in the foot and then they recock their gun and shoot themselves in the other foot. So, ball, <laughs> ball fans, you know, you got what you wanted. You got Phil Fulmer as your AD. Shiana's not your coach. You know, be careful what you wish for.
0: All right, let's go to the other open job in the SEC. It's Arkansas. Uh, clearly, Brett Thiem is out. And Arkansas is in a situation now. They wanted Gus Malzahn. They threw a lot of money at him. Auburn, who, you know, a month ago was getting ready to fire Gus Malzahn, then gives him close to $50 million for a contract new negotiation. And, oh, by the way, Dave Dorn, who, who was offered the Tennessee job, was probably one or two losses away from getting fired at NC State and didn't take the <laughs> Tennessee job. So, so let's what, where is Arkansas right now? Is it Chad Moore? or you think they're going to open it up a little bit?
1: Uh, it looks like Chad Morris, Matt, that seems uh it seems like they're locked in on him. I mean, you know, they had to make a run at, at Gus and they did and simply Auburn stepped up and, and kept Gus. I, I was you know, I I was interested to see if if Gus decided to leave Auburn or not. Um basically I think if Auburn would not have stepped up, he would have taken the Arkansas job, but Arkansas wasn't able to get Gus. Uh they did they did make a good hire, I think a very good hire, replacing Jeff Long with Hunter Yurichek as the new athletic director at Arkansas, but it it appears Chad Morris is uh will be the new guy in, in Arkansas. He's obviously got a ton of recruiting ties in the state of Texas and you know, we'll we'll see uh we'll see how that works out. Certainly he's known for his off offensive uh knowledge. Defensively, you know, he got a Got to improve a, a great deal uh, from what he did at SMU, but obviously the uh, the degree degree of difficulty will be a lot more, a lot more tougher than it was uh, in the American.
0: Right, and and it's compounded by the fact that that team is set up to be a crawl ball offense, and he's got a 270 pound quarterback. So so I mean I mean you're going in there, and all of a sudden you're going to start running the spread, and you're going to want your quarterback. You know, can you imagine 270 pound quarterback running that? All right. That spread option. That won't Don't work. even want to think about it. <laughs> Don't even want to think about it. All right. So let's, let's talk about Jimbo because to me, this is the most fascinating move of the entire coaching uh, carousel season. I, I, I mean, I never thought Jimbo would leave. I always thought it was kind of a pie in the sky idea for Texas A&M. I thought Jimbo, in the end, would say, you know what? It's been good here. I can do it. But clearly, there's been a lot of friction between Jimbo and the administration over the last year. And what, what do you think pushed it over the top?
1: I think it was a couple of things, Matt. I think, you know, he obviously had opportunities in the past with the LSU, did not go, got got new deals out of those flirtations. Um, but this time, it it, it's, it was just different. It seemed like everything came to a head. I mean, there's some things in his personal life that I think allowed him to, to be able to leave Tallahassee now. You know, there were some frustrations about maybe not getting the, the support from the administration, uh, which is you know, kind of comical when you look at all the facilities and everything Florida State has, but, you know, I guess maybe they don't have a a water slide or a miniature golf course or, or something that another school has. Um, And so I, and then the, this, this season this year, you know, they, they struggled, they lose Francois in the opener. And then just the, you know, the way he reacted to the fan, you know, coming off the field after one of the losses, it's almost like everything just came to a head where, he didn't feel like he was appreciated. He didn't feel like he, you know, um, he was treated fairly, which, you know, he's was making a boatload of money anyway. Um, and then you saw his comments for, at the Texas A&M press conference basically saying you know, have the greatest coaches in the world, but if you don't have the support of the administration, you can't win anything. I mean, the good news is Jimbo didn't burn any bridges. He napalmed them. So, so um, <laughs> you know, now, now – yeah. The, the expectation is simple. Win a national championship and win the SEC conference or you will be an absolute failure at Texas a No pressure, so good luck.
0: Well, I mean, he'll be a failure with $75 million in his pocket, though. So well, I mean, that's, he'll that's be a already, rich right? failure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so the Florida State job, it's Willie Taggart's job now. And, and I know you and I were talking a few weeks ago when the whole carousel began, and you were under the idea that... that Willie Taggart would crawl to Gainesville for the Florida job. Why, why do you think Florida never even reached out to him? I mean, he's a Florida guy. He's a guy who wanted to play for Spurrier when he was coming out of, out of high school at Bradenton Manatee. And Spurrier wouldn't recruit him because he was an option quarterback. That's why he went to Nebraska. Why, why do you think Florida passed on him?
1: From the people I talked to, they, they claim that Dan Mullen was their number one choice all along. Now um, you decide whether you want to believe that or not. But Dan Mullen was their number one choice but because of scott strickland's respect for mississippi state he did not want to take mississippi state's coach and bring him to florida where he was obviously the ad so they looked at chip kelly they had discussions with chip chip you know wanted to preferred to be on the west coast he took the ucla job you know they talked to frost frost already had a deal with nebraska so he they couldn't talk to him and so then basically you know they said well we're we're going to go after Dan Mullen. So, I think if if we go back a little bit further, I think if what would have happened um, you know with uh, with Mullen were I think initially a lot of people thought Frost would go to Florida, Mullen would go to Tennessee, um then Tennessee wouldn't have been in this in this mess. I think right. I think maybe because Willie was at Oregon that maybe that's why Florida wasn't as high on him as maybe they they could have been or should have been. And I think also if Willie would have stayed at USF, which he had to take the Oregon job, you've got to get the power five job if you want to win a national championship. Right. But if he would have remained at USF, that UCF USF game would have been like a play a play in game to be the next coach at, at the Gators or Florida State or whatever. But <laughs> I know a lot. I know a lot of people are making making uh you know the the noting that this is the third job taggart's had in the past 365 days i understand that but i think you know if taggart when he was at usf if the florida state and oregon jobs would have been open at the same time he would have taken florida state no question so i think he wasn't looking to leave oregon this is a chance for him to come back home like you said he's from florida uh starred brainton manatee high school and, you know, he was not trying to leave Oregon, but when the Florida State job opened, you know, one of the top two jobs in the state, um, you, you have to take that because you don't know when it's going to open again.
0: So if you're a Florida fan, and, we, and we, we talk SEC here on this podcast, if you're a Florida fan and, and you see what's going on now, you put Florida and Florida State, the two rivals, have, have new coaches now, you're almost in the exact same situation where you were before where you've got a proven guy that can go out and land recruits who can land top three, top four classes? And you've got a guy on the other at the other school, Mullen, who really hasn't proven that he can he can be a big time recruiter. You're almost in the same situation with Jimbo versus Jim McElwain. So, so how, how do you shake that out if you're a Florida guy?
1: Well, if you're a Florida guy, I mean, I would just simply look at Mullen's track record developing quarterbacks. I mean, Dak Prescott, uh, you know, Nick Fitzgerald, some guy named Tebow when he was at Florida. I mean, he he can develop quarterbacks, and you know the difference is, I mean, look what he did at Mississippi State. I mean, you know, Matt, every year we're there we're there in Hoover, Alabama, and they pass out here's the uh, preseason SEC SEC media poll, and last or second to last in the SEC West every year is Mississippi State. Fast forward to the end of November every year, and there's Mississippi State with a you know eight, nine, ten wins, and I think that got taken for granted. It it how well Mullen had done in the past at Mississippi State, that's a tough, tough job. So now you can get elite athletes to Florida and I, I think he'll be a big success. I, I don't think I think maybe he's not he's obviously not as sexy as a Chip Kelly and he's obviously not the you know the the, the, the bright hot star like Scott Frost was, kinda like Tom Herman last year. But I think right. ultimately he's probably gonna be the best fit um because i think with florida there were there were some uh, i don't know if concerns are too too is too strong of a word but concerns maybe about scott frost having not been a head coach at the power 5 level and maybe not sure how that would play out uh, certainly Mullins done it and oh by the way he's very familiar with the sec so um i i think it'll i think it's not the sexiest hire but i think ultimately it'll probably end up being being uh, one of the top hires of the
0: offseason So before we get into the most bizarre hire and and we'll get a good laugh out of this. What what does Oregon do right now? I mean, does Mario Cristobal get that job or you think it's more, he's more of a place guard holder until they find someone?
1: You know, that's tough. I mean, Rob Mullins, their, their athletic director, obviously he's had some time now because the, the, when the Jimbo stuff started leaking out before we went to, uh, to A&M and, then you connect the dots and everyone's with Taggart's the most likely candidate. So They've known for you know at least a week that there's a possibility that, that Willie may be leaving. So that I've seen I've seen reports where they want to continue you know what's been going on there and and, and keep Cristobal. I don't know if if they'll do that or not. Um, you know he's obviously he was head coach at Florida International. He was an assistant at Alabama before he went out to Oregon. I don't know if they're going to go that route or or they'll try to get somebody with more West Coast ties. Um, you know it, that's a that's a tough call and, and it's a it's a tough situation for Oregon cuz you had a coach there that was successful he was only there a year um you know when you when you know as long as you got Justin Herbert as your starting quarterback you you're, you're going to be fine i mean they averaged 52 points a game when he started um when he wasn't hurt with the broken collarbone so that's that's one of the the more uh fascinating situations that i'll be looking at to to see ultimately what they do out there. Because I don't think there's any just slam dunk person that they could get. I think one possibility, maybe Justin Wilcox at, um, at Cal. He's from Oregon. Maybe they bring him back home.
0: I mean, they're going to take a run at Chris Pete, I know that. But, but I, I mean, I'd be shocked if, if Chris left Washington. I don't think he in Washington. I don't either. It would be a very good spot for him because it's not a really media crazy place. I mean, if he were still at Boise, it's just it's a lock. It's not even close. He would take that right. job. Right. All, right. all right, now, so so the, the craziest hire of all, first off, it comes from an athletic director who's, I don't even know how he was an athletic director. I don't know how he was hired to be an athletic director. Ray Anderson's a former agent, okay? He's a former agent, Ray Anderson. He's the AD at Arizona State now. He clearly hired his best friend, Herm Edwards, to coach Arizona State, ran off Todd Graham. I mean, I don't have a problem running off Todd Graham, but Herm Edwards? I mean, how bizarre is that, right?
1: Uh, it's, it's strange because basically they're keeping... The you know the entire st- coaching staff except for the head coach and they basically said that they want Arizona State to be run like an NFL model, <laughs> and and that's and maybe maybe colleges do that already, but it's just the way that they presented it in the press conference and in the in the release that we're going to base it on the NFL model and you know you know do these different things and then you have Herm in the in the news conference he's he's not aware forgets that Sun Devils is the mascot and goes off on that (laughs) um I will say this though I I had the the pleasure of working with Herm for five years at ESPN he is a tremendous tremendous individual and he is just an unbelievable guy and if he can if I know he can use those skills how will it translate you know as a coach we're going to find out I mean the last time he was a a college coach, I think was Bill Snyder's first year at Kansas state. That doesn't mean he can't be successful. I think, I think ultimately Ray Anderson in a few years will be viewed as a brilliant innovator, or he's going to be a laughing stock. because I don't, I don't see this just, this isn't going to be just, they're going to be six and six and mow along. They're either going to be like double digit wins or double di- digit losses. Um, but we'll have to find out. But I, I'm rooting for Herm because I love the guy. Um, you know, But it is an outside-the-box hire, no doubt about it.
0: Outside-the-box? It's like if you're one of those flat-earth guys, it's off the edge of the earth <laughs> is what it is. Are you kidding me? I mean, I mean Ray's, Ray's an NFL agent, and he's running that program. So I don't, I don't even know what Arizona State's doing. Their two most important positions in that athletic department, Or a guy who used to be an NFL agent and a guy who used to be an NFL coach and hasn't coached. How long has it been since Herman coach? 10, 12 years?
1: Yeah. And that was in the NFL college. I mean, yeah. you go. I think he was an assistant at San Jose State. Good Lord.
0: Good Lord. All right. We're going to wrap this up. I want to circle back real quick now to the college football playoff because, Brett, on this very podcast, when I had you on about a month and a half ago, and I told you the SEC is going to get two teams, and you laughed at me and said said there's no way a conference will ever get two teams in this playoff. So in your mind, how, how in the world did this work out? How did it shake out?
1: The committee lied to us. So the last – this is the fourth year. They did. So this is the fourth year. What have they told us, Matt, for the first three years? They told us quality wins count. They told us top twenty-five wins are important. They told us conference championships are, are a big piece of the puzzle. That having the thirteenth data point is imperative to get in the playoff. That's what they said to TCU in year one. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have you didn't yeah. have a you didn't have a thirteenth data point, so we're taking Ohio State. They had, the Big Twelve adds a conference championship game. So what happens? Ohio State three and O against teams. Excuse me, three top. Three wins against teams in the top 16. Alabama, none. Alabama beat number 17 LSU, number 23 Mississippi State. Ohio State played a tougher non-conference schedule. Ohio State won a conference championship. The committee still picked Alabama. I have no problem with them picking Alabama, but don't tell us that all of these things matter when they don't. And here's the thing that is so frustrating for fans and for media alike is when you're trying to project who's going to get in, you can't project because they change. It's a moving target. They they tell you what teams are in, and then they tell you the reasons why instead of telling you what we're looking at and then picking the teams. And I really believe that. And, it again, it all boils back to the, the simple analogy. It's a beauty pageant, and, the, you know, you have 13 voting members, and, you know, they may view certain things differently than we do. And ultimately, I, I thought that the last thing they wanted to do was put two teams in from one conference. And I'm still surprised they did it because I don't think Alabama was was so much better than Ohio State, and that's supposed to be the determining factor. If if they are so much better, then you can take them. But if it's fairly close, Ohio State had the conference championship. They had more top top 15 wins, but they picked Alabama. So that I that was surprised the committee. Pick them based on what they've told us in the past.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to get into this a little bit after, after we finish, but I just want to say one more thing. It's always good when I when I get one over on you because it's rare that I do get get one over <laughs> on you. So so I get one on you, all right? Thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on.
1: Anytime, Matt.
0: It's the Brett McMurphy on Facebook, college football's number one insider. Thanks, pal. See you, buddy. Boy, Brett is, I'll tell you what. No one covers college football like Brett. He knows the ins and outs better than absolutely anyone. You know, Brett brought up an interesting situation there when he was talking about you know, the idea that Alabama got picked over Ohio State. And I've been saying this since the college football was first developed four years ago. The point I made was, you can say that you have metrics and you're going to go by conference championships or you're going to go by conference wins or you're going to go by winning late or losing late or losing early, the reality is, if you have a poll, it is based on opinion. Plain and simple. There's no other way to look at it. It is based on opinion. It's human nature. It is the human element of the entire process. People will vote how they believe a thing should or shouldn't be. That's how it was with the BCS. That's how it is with college football playoff. The difference is, in the BCS, you had 60-plus voters <clears throat> from originally the AP poll, before the AP poll dropped out, then 60-plus from the Harris, 60-plus from college football coaches, and then, what, seven or eight computer guys. So you had 120-something minds going out. And, and here's another thing, too. The whole idea that these computers... Where, you know, computers, ooh, they're not biased, ooh. Let me tell you something about computers. Somebody has to put the information into the computers to work for their formulas. Somebody has to develop those formulas. And it was always funny to me how the computer system out on the West Coast, the Anderson-Hester system, always had the West Coast teams in the top five early on. And the computer systems in the South always had the South teams in the top five early on. And then as we weaved our way throughout the season, October, November, late November, and then the last week of the season, ah, magically, everybody has the same first two, three, four teams. Isn't that weird how that works? It's opinion, people. It's opinion, okay? It was that way at the BCS. It's that way at the college football playoff. I don't want to hear about metrics. I don't want to hear about entry points, data points, whatever you want to call it. It's not what it is. It's an opinion. That's why in year one, Ohio State got in over TCU and Baylor, and TCU and Baylor had better resumes. Ohio State had a worse loss. TCU and Baylor had better wins, and Ohio State got in because they beat the tar out of Wisconsin in that last game, and all of a sudden everybody thought, Oh, oh Ohio State's got to be the, the better than TCU and Baylor. It was emotion, which is what polls are all about. Emotion and opinion. That's why Ohio State got in year one. And then Ohio State goes and wins the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, look how brilliant the College Football Playoff Committee was. They picked the right team to get in, and that team ended up being the best team in college football. Brilliant. Two years later, the exact same situation happens only different teams. Now it's within each conference, now it's within a specific conference. Now you've got Ohio State losing to Penn State, losing to the very team that won the Big Ten, one of your critical metrics, conference championship. But then you start talking about, well, Penn State had two losses, Ohio State had one. And Ohio State deserved to be in. So they're going with Ohio State in the college football playoff, despite the fact that Ohio State couldn't win its own division or or championship game. And Ohio State. Slides right in. Penn State's furious. James Franklin, I know for a fact, I talk to him all the time about this, he's still furious about it. Ohio State goes in there and gets blown out 31-0 by Clemson in the semifinals. This is what I'm talking about, okay? Now we hit the year four. Ohio State clearly has a better resume than Alabama. Like it or not, they have a better resume than Alabama. Alabama's best win is against Mississippi State. Come on. I mean, that's, you, you could be an SEC homer, whatever you want to call it. You, your, your love could be deep and true for the SEC, and I get it completely. I love the SEC as well, but you cannot sit there and look at those two resumes, Alabama and Ohio State, and tell me Alabama has a better resume. It's not even close. It's not even close. Yet, Alabama was chosen over Ohio State. Why, you ask? It's opinion. It's the eye test. The eye test, which is another fancy word for, you know, Joe Smith's opinion. The eye test is what it's all about in the college football playoff. It's what it was all about in the BCS for all those voters that voted. It's the eye test. At the end of the day, especially the last vote, what those people do, what the voters in the committee do, what the voters in the BCS did. They look at the teams and they say, you know what, I think that team's the best. Or I think those two teams are the best. And that's exactly what they do in the college football playoff. These are my four teams because I think these four teams are the best team in college football. And I'm fine with that, okay? I'm fine with that. Just don't sell it as something that it's not. And I screamed about the BCS about that as well. When you try and sell it as something it's not, when you try and tell me that computers aren't biased and that the computers... The fact that they're one-third of the process evens out any kind of regional bias. and I mean, come on. Give me a break. Stop giving me garbage. Just tell me the truth. If Kirby Hokut, who was the the mouthpiece for, for the college football playoff, it's his turn now. If he were to come out there and simply said, look, we think Alabama's better than Ohio State and that's it. We don't care about metrics. That's it. We think they're better. I'd be way happier with that then someone's starting to talk about how good the Mississippi State win was or how good the LSU win was. Or if Florida State hadn't lost DeAndre Francois, Florida State would have been a 10, 11, or 12-win team. And then how good would that win have looked? I don't even want to hear that garbage. Just come out and say, look, we think Alabama is better than Ohio State, and that's why they got in. But that's not what happened, and that's the problem. That's why you've got people talking about this is ridiculous. We need to expand the playoff. And now suddenly this perfect little world that the college football playoff had is now in a very delicate, dicey situation because now they're starting to get public perception and public momentum that four teams isn't enough and that it needs to expand. You know, about, about a month and a half, two months ago, when I brought up this very point with Brett, I made a joke about how, I, you know, one of the very few times I'm right and Brett's wrong, when I said two SEC teams are going to end up in the playoff, I also said that that's gonna start the momentum for change. Because it's it's a familiar situation right now. And the reality is that too much SEC in college football will eventually become not enough teams in the college football playoff. I said it two months ago, and it's even more apparent now. We're at the regular season, the end of the regular season, we've got our four teams, and once again. The argument is there needs to be more teams, more access in the college football playoff. Why? Because of the SEC. More specifically, because of Alabama. Now this happened, it began, this whole whole change in college football postseason began in the 2011 season. That was the year, of course, when both Alabama and LSU played in the national championship game. LSU won the SEC. Alabama didn't win its division, didn't win its conference championship, but played in the BCS National Championship game and beat LSU. Once again, that was seen as, oh, it's the right thing. The right team was chosen and the right team won the national championship. But away from that, there was a whole lot of controversy going on. Because when that season began, early in the spring and summer of, of, of 2011, the idea was simply a plus one format to extend the college football postseason. So in other words, at the end of the bowl games, there would be one game, one game, that would pit the two top teams in in the nation for the national championship. But once that season played out, and once Alabama and LSU became the two teams in the BCS national championship game, everything changed. Everything changed. Because there already was momentum outside the SEC, among the BCS conferences, about the SEC is getting too strong. And there were already rumors and ideas of what's going on in the SEC in this Project X that Mike Slive, who the brilliant former SEC commissioner, was building. That Project X ended up being the SEC network, which is literally a cash-feeding cow, a a cash-revenue-generating behemoth that no one could have expected it could ever be. No one except for, of course, Slive and the SEC presidents. And the other BCS conferences saw that, saw the six straight BCS championships. It would eventually be seven and realized, you know what? This is getting out of control. The SEC is dominating this game. They're pulling away from the pack. They're, gener- they're going to generate untold millions. It has to be stopped. That's why the playoff began. All right. You can talk all you want about how the BCS, oh, it's controversial. They never got it right. I love the BCS, but that's a whole another story for another time. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with everyone else in college football was panicking about the SEC. That the SEC had won six straight. It eventually would go to seven in the last BCS, uh, excuse me, in 2012. And the idea was, look, this can't happen anymore. We have to put our foot down at some point. So now we fast forward to 2017. And for the first time in the brief history of the college football playoff, two teams from the same conference, which we spoke about on this podcast two months ago, two teams from the same conference were selected. So instead of one Power Five conference being left out, which everybody was okay with when this playoff idea was formed and it's four teams and you realize, well, we're going to go on conference championships. Remember that? So one conference was going to be left out. All right? Now there's two being left out. And the very two that absolutely couldn't be left out. Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney, one of the most influential power brokers in all of amateur sports. His conference, left out. Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, instrumental with innovative ideas, moving college sports into new marketing, television horizons, playing games outside the United States. He's an innovator. These two guys, their conference, not playing in the college football playoff. These are two unique power brokers in college football. And I'm telling you right now, they will not sit back and watch the SEC take another huge bite from the apple without saying, you know what, it's time to stop. And what does that mean? That means expanding the playoff. Whether you like it or not, and Jim Delaney was a guy when this playoff first began, he said his big deal was bracket creep. And by bracket creep, he meant, if you start with four, what's to prevent eight? If you go to eight, what's to prevent 16? And if you're not a playoff guy, and I don't think he was originally, clearly was not a playoff guy, that bracket creep is a serious concern. But we're there now. We are absolutely there now. And, and as we've seen in this social media age, and the perfect example is the Tennessee coach search, have we seen in the age of social media where everyone gets a voice and everyone has an opinion? And All those who make decisions high above are panicking when those below start to voice these opinions and and the narrative starts to change in public perception. They start to panic. If you don't think that can happen in the college football playoff, you are absolutely nuts. That absolutely can happen. Now, how quick could it happen? It's not going to happen next year. But any time after that is absolutely on the table. Now, if you're a college football playoff purist, There's still time to save the four team format. Because if one or both of the SEC teams lose in the playoffs, it'll stem that growing public perception that four teams isn't enough. But if both Alabama and Georgia win, I'm telling you right now, if you've got Alabama and Georgia playing in Atlanta, it's literally the Southern Super Bowl, which, if you remember, if you remember six years ago, I believe that. The Alabama-LSU-BCS National Championship game, which was played in New Orleans, was also dubbed the Southern Super Bowl. If you've got Alabama and Georgia playing in that National Championship game in Atlanta, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be a lot of upset guys in college football That and there's going to be a lot of idea and a lot of perception that, you know what, here comes the SEC again. Here comes the, the gap between the SEC and everyone else again. We have to do something, something, to change this so the question then becomes how many teams all right forget about the current fcs format of 24 teams and i know i hear everybody oh the fcs could do it why can't the fbs do it because it's just not the way it works the fcs also doesn't have conference championship games and i can tell you this the sec i don't know about everybody else but the sec will never and let me underscore this with all capital letters never get rid of its championship game never That game is part of the fabric of the league. It's who they are, all right? And, oh, by the way, when that television deal is up with CBS in 2023, wait and see what Greg Sankey does with that game. He's going to sell it as a standalone event, much like the college football power brokers sold the national championship game as a standalone event. That will happen. I'm telling you right now it will because there's so much money in that game. That is the best value of any college football game, bowl, Playoff, regular season, the best value for CBS of any game in college football right now. They literally pay nothing for that game. It's just part of the contract. That game will be sold as a standalone event. It will be even bigger after the the contract with CBS is up in 2023. All right, so you're not doing the 24 teams. Ideally, it's six or eight teams. And again, for me, the reason it is six or eight is because it doesn't dramatically change the time frame that you're using when you're using three weeks to complete a playoff. All right? Three weeks can be done. It absolutely can be done. And it can be done without moving into the idea of moving into whatever they want to call it, second semester football, which again is ludicrous, but that's what they like to argue there. That's what the university presidents like to argue. But again, when these same university presidents start to see the SEC pulling away from everyone, their ideas will change. And the idea of, wait, how do we generate more revenue because our television contracts aren't going to be the same as they were in the last time we negotiated? them, Yeah, here's how you generate the revenue. You, you, you expand the playoff, all right? Now, eight teams to me, if it were used this season, this is the problem I have with eight teams, okay? If eight teams used this season, four teams were already in, no matter what they did. Clemson, Georgia, Wisconsin, Oklahoma could have all lost championship games and probably still made the playoff. Alabama and Penn State weren't playing at championship games. Could have not even played on championships Saturday. And potentially could have earned their way in. Alabama, definitely. Penn State, maybe. So, that diminishes the regular season. And I think presidents and athletic directors are very keen to that idea that they have something that no one else, no other sport has. They have a regular season that actually means something. And I don't think they want to diminish that by going to that 18. 18 format. And I agree with that. I completely agree with that. If you've got something that has helped build your game from, regional, from a regional sport in different pockets throughout the United States to a national behemoth, which is what it is right now. So if you've got something that can do that, which is what the college football regular season does, don't mess with it. Do not mess with it. So for me, that means the 16 playoff is the perfect, perfect antidote right now for what's going on if you expand this playoff. And I think six teams is going to be a lot easier for a lot of those university presidents to stomach than eight. If you go to six, what you do is you still have a three-week situation, but you allow two teams to earn buys, which heightens the regular season. You get two buys in the first round, and then you get three three through six are playing, and, and uh, I guess you would call them quarterfinals is what it would be. So let's look at this where it would be right now, all right? If you had that six team format this season, Clemson and Oklahoma would be your teams that earn the buys. Then you would have Georgia and Wisconsin and Ohio State and Alabama as the quarterfinals. Now you can have those, you can move those games within your current bowl system, or you could use the quarterfinals as on campus sites, which once again also increases the value of the regular season. Because if you can host a playoff game, Absolutely means more to the regular season in the month of November. It even heightens it. Besides, if you go to the eighteen team playoff, you, then you have the possibility of more conference dominance. If there was an eighteen team playoff this season, nearly half of the eight teams, Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn, would have been from the SEC. You think that would have gone over well with Jim Delaney and Larry Scott and John Swafford? I don't think so. I just do not think so. Six is the number. Six is the number that I think would satisfy everyone. And I know a lot of people say, well, once you get the six, and someone's going to say eight, then they're going to say 16. Six is a very good number. And when I say six, I'm not saying the five Power Five Conference Champions and one at large. No. I'm not saying one of the group of five teams is guaranteed a spot in the six. No. No. I'm saying when you say we're going to have a six-team format, the first thing you say is this. Conference championships are absolutely important. They're not the be-all, end-all. We're going to take the best six teams. And if the, one of the best six teams or two of the best six teams doesn't have a conference championship, or if one of the best six teams has three or four losses and has a conference champion, championship on their resume, and they're worthy of the, of the top six, we're going to take them. That's what I think you do. I don't think you, th- you throw out these ideas of, oh, we're going to have metrics— The funniest part of all about when the college football playoff was first forming, Bill Hancock, who was the executive director of the BCS, who is now the executive director of the college football playoff, he was explaining how the college football playoff would work. And I remember asking, well, how are you going to come up with the idea of this team's better than that team? How is it not going to be just like the BCS where it's opinion? And he said, we're going to have metrics, So I said, all right, metrics. What kind of metrics? They didn't know. He didn't know yet, but they were going to use metrics. And they were going to be very transparent in the metrics they used. And that's how it was going to work. And everybody was going to be happy. And we're now year four and a lot of people aren't happy. And if you want to blame someone, go ahead and blame Alabama. Because, I mean, they get blamed for everything else, right? You got blamed for the breakup of the BCS. So now they're going to get blamed for the... Breakup of the current college football playoff system when it expands. And it will expand. I'm telling you right now, it's going to expand. It's not going to be next year. It may not even be 2019. But it will expand. Because there's too many reasons for it to expand. Chief among them, it's not only just the SEC pulling away from everyone else once again. But chief among them being, what happens when the television contracts for each of the Power 5 con- conferences are up? What happens when 2023 rolls around and suddenly ESPN's not there offering a boatload of cash? When suddenly you're going to have to start looking at Twitter and Netflix and Amazon, different areas for selling your games. You may not be able to sell your games as a complete package. You may have to sell the SEC East to Twitter, the SEC West to Netflix, the championship game to ESPN. We have no idea what the distribution will look like as far as college football games and within each conference. We have no idea. So your best bet, your best bet is to get that money now while you can. And if that means expanding the playoff to six and renegotiating that deal, you absolutely have to do that. You have to do that. There's too much uncertainty where the game is headed as far as how, how the game is being distributed on television, on video, through social media. There's just too much uncertainty right now. And I think... A lot of people, and I've talked to a couple of athletic directors about this, you got to get what you can right now. you got to understand the no. You know this, take this. It's all about understanding the no and understanding the now. And right now, there's a lot of uncertainty moving forward about where television contracts will be. So if you can get more money now by adding two teams to a playoff, which will improve your playoff, will make the regular season more meaningful, you absolutely have to do it. All right, that's going to wrap up this week. I had a blast talking with my good friend Brett McMurphy. Again, it's the Brett McMurphy on Facebook, the best college football insider in the business. I want to thank everybody for coming along the ride. Please subscribe to the podcast, like the podcast, tell your friends about the podcast, and we'll be back next week for another fun look through the SEC. Take care, everyone.